You know, an objective should be aspirational. Wake up every morning knowing this is what we're going to get done here over the next 13 weeks. Next year, it inspires you. Key results, a little different. They should scare you a little bit, but excite you a lot. So we ask people to really ask themselves that question of what could we get done? I mean, if we really put our heads down and really, really went at this, what could we accomplish over the next 13 weeks? And then how would we do it? Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tingser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. Thank you to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our partner of the show. We have joined forces because we wanted to celebrate the reopening of society and the industry. We believe that we as an industry need to find new ways to become even more innovative, from how we lead our people, how we operate and grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. We want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. In this episode, I have been talking to Tim Meinhardt about the importance of having an agile way of doing planning by using a simple idea called OKRs, Objective and Key Results. This methodology drives 10x growth in companies like Google, Intel, and many others. Tim is the president and CEO of Aturity, and he leads a team of OKR experts who provide OKR consulting to a number of organizations ranging from public traded companies to startups. We discussed the power of planning and how you can act much faster when sudden change arrives at your doorstep when you have strong planning process in place. We take a deep dive into how OKRs can help leaders to create ways of working that not only make them more agile, but also get their people much more engaged in their work. Tim shares how he has seen company has been able to navigate the storm the pandemic better than others by using OKRs and how it can help you to boost innovation when the market really moves fast. He gives a concrete example of a client he worked with which have had some stunning results by working very focused with the OKR process. They are up 28% on the year. We also talk about how this can be implemented in a hospitality setting and how you get started. We touch about how OKRs really can help you in these times where teams are working more and more remotely. Tim shares his wealth of leadership experience in building businesses and teams. Before you tune in, please sign up to our weekly newsletter on hospitalitymavericks.com packed with more Maverick insights, strategies and tools. Now grab notebook, pen and coffee. With the knowledge and insights from this conversation, you will be able to change the way your new team plan, focus, and take action, and maybe thereby 10x your results. Enjoy. Today, we will be talking about uh, tools, approaches on how to, I would say, not just uh, become more focused, but also help you drive better business results. And some of these companies that work with what we the approach we're going to be talking about today is called OKRs. Uh, is Google, and they have uh, created incredible business results, also make amazing impact on their the people they've employed, but also the communities they're part of, and and the planet, I would say. And uh, and they continue doing that. And this is a method that's very well known in the tech world, where I had a, a little 
part of my life spent. Uh, but I think really there's some lessons when it comes to other industries as well, especially hospitality. And uh, I'm very excited because this is a, a method I'm trying to become uh, better at myself, but I don't have my 10,000 hours yet. But today we have uh, Tim uh, Meinhardt uh, as a guest, and I'm 100% sure that he has the, the hours under the belt to talk a bit more about the, the power of OKRs and what that can do for us as business. And also, of course, hearing Tim's journey and uh, how he actually, you know, has evolved his businesses with uh, OKRs. So welcome to the to the show, Tim. Michael, thanks for having me today. And uh, Tim, I don't know if I slaughtered OKRs and 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 uh, and the bigger picture about OKRs are, but but you can come in on that in a in a second. If uh, if you can just give a little bit of background for people out there, you know who you are, what is uh, what is your elevator pit, what you're doing now, and what what is the connection with the the OKRs? Well, thank you. Um, so I'm Tim Meinhart. I'm the president and CEO of Altruity. We are a uh, consultancy located in Washington, D.C. area, actually our global consultancy. Uh, our sole purpose is uh, to work in the OKR environment. And for those that uh, don't know what it is, um, OKR stands for Objectives and Key Results. This has been made very popular by a book, Measure What Matters, by John Doerr. It's a New York Times number one business bestseller, has been for several years. And the OKR uh, craze, so to speak, is now a global phenomena. And, um, you know, it did, it was originally, Mike, it kind of uh, was born out of the technology space, but now you find it in everything under the sun. And in fact, there is a great story about a pizza company in Measure What Matters, which I would refer everybody that, um, because of the hospitality industry, I think it's a good little read on a chapter. I want to say it's chapter 17 or something like that, but it's a really, really good, um, it's a good little piece about how OKRs adapt themselves to any business. And not only that, it, it also adapts itself to businesses that are both very large and also the startup community. Um, one of the things that when I started at Truity, I was very concerned with this concept of, and forgive me, I'm going to say this, the concept of failure, because a lot of plans are put in place. Everyone thinks, oh, it's management flavor of the month, and they go on for a while, and they ultimately don't succeed. They just fail. And I did a lot of research when I started at Truity, and I wanted to find out why these plans fail. And I'd like to share with you briefly why plans do fail. And there are really five basic reasons. Um, the first reason is that the plan is too complex or it's simply with that complexity, it's just not a good plan. That's a recipe for failure. Number two is if it's done by one person. So there's no collaboration. The, the, uh, the person at the top decides this is what we're going to do. And off they go, and those plans are destined for failure. Combining with that, number three is probably one of the most important elements in an OKR journey with an organization, which is buy-in. So if you don't have buy-in from the organization, no matter how hard you pull them along, it's just not going to work and ultimately will fail. So the fourth element is visibility, which is one of the OKR superpowers. 
visibility is so critically important because it allows organizations to be able to not only see what's important to them, but important to everybody else. We've all heard of the plan that uh, when you ask somebody, where's your plan? Oh, it's right here. I've got it underneath a bunch of paper and so on and so forth. So visibility is a big deal. If it's not visible, it's going to fail. And then number five, which is probably the cruelest one of them all, is if you've actually done that correctly. Imagine that you've, you've, you've adopted things, you've got it started, but you mismanaged the program. Absolute failure. So when we started Atruity, we wanted to be able to help people with the how, Mike. That's the most important element of OKRs. There are software companies out there. There are countless videos and YouTubes and you name it about what an objective is and what a key result is. But there's not, about, not a lot out there about how to implement this into your organization. So Atruity was founded off this principle of, okay, let's get the management piece right because we know the visibility piece is there. And if we can get it managed right, then we can get that buy-in because the buy-in is critical. Ultimately, OKRs are about culture change. You can use the, the, the word transformation if you'd like, but it's about reimagining how your organization runs itself through this goal-setting methodology of OKRs. So that's why Atruity is in business. Um, and uh, that's a little bit about me. I was a successful entrepreneur in the Washington, D.C. area, um, built a business that uh, was listed by the Washington Business Journal as the 11th fastest growing business here in Washington and ultimately went to a sale uh, a few years ago. And uh, one of the reasons we were successful, Mike, was because we were good planners. Now, we didn't use OKRs, but I valued the nature of planning. Um, little did I know that one of the critical elements that rose itself in our business in the last year before we sold was we had to make a very strong correction very quickly. Now, we were adept enough to be able to have written it all down so we could make those strategic changes quickly, which is really the definition of agile, which is what OKR's foundation lies under, is this agile nature. Um, being able to still get to your destination, but if things aren't going the way it should, let's not continue down this path because we made a plan. The object is to get from point A to point B. And uh, so the agile nature of OKRs is one of its superpowers. So that's a little bit about me. And this is very interesting because you you know your stuff, but it, I, I thought it was uh, chapter 17. I just checked, as you were saying, it's chapter 17 in, in the <laughs> book. It's about Zoom pizza story. Uh, and uh, it's it's the one of the first one I read as well because it, it connected to, to the industry I was because I thought, how relevant is this for uh, hospitality? Is this actually possible to implement? And uh, this, is, this is a great story how they go from startup to scale up. Uh, with pizza in a in a very crowded market, a very competitive red ocean market. So, um, and also one thing I, I, I like what you said is actually now it's like you know many companies actually succeed because the ability to plan and adapt. Uh, I have a background from McDonald's myself, uh, and uh, I maybe today they use in some degree OKRs and, and some, but that was definitely not when I was there. But the planning process, there was a planning cycle 
on everything we did. There was a cycle on everything we did. We actually meant we were agile when we needed to change. And I think think when McDonald's in, if people can remember in, I think it was 2004 or five, were in deep trouble and I'm loving it campaign came out, was an example of a last minute's correction you probably can do because the extreme level of planning that has to be, and you can imagine getting that out to the organization. So that was just like my two cents to agreeing with you, like having a, a culture where planning is part of what you do and you connect with that on some kind of cycle will always help you. Uh, and I, I agree with you. The most companies I've seen has failed as well, have no structure in or planning, call it whatever it is, how they manage the business. There's a great quote that says, go something like this. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So without a good plan, uh, most organizations will find themselves, especially right where we've just, and we're still in the throes of the COVID, uh, COVID craziness. Um, but um, having that ability to let your, let your employees truly know what your mission is all about. Okay. And, and what are the values of your company? And, and, um, and from there, that's kind of begins to serve as your North star, Mike. And we, we espouse to this, that you need a North star, you need long-term objectives. Okay. And you need this mission statement. So they begin to align themselves and from the mission statement down to your long-term objectives. And that alignment gives people that North Star clarity of, and, and, and especially in today's market, because people want to know not just my job, but what impact is my job having as it's relating to the overall success of the organization? And when you have these things be, beginning to become visible to everybody, then you as an organization can say, well, this is what we want to accomplish in a given year. And then the agile nature kicks in and it says, okay, what do we want to be able to do this particular quarter? And then that's where department heads and all the way down to the individual can become aligned with, wow, I know what my, what's, what's important to, you know, to my management. This is what I need to do to make that management piece successful, which will ultimately make either another layer of management or ultimately the company more successful for that quarter. And, um, and so that, that element of it is where the planning starts to come into play. And I just shared with you a little bit about our methodology, but um, we, we believe strongly in obviously planning. And, um, but if you don't know where you want to go, any road will take you there. And that's an easy way to, to say that you should have something in place. And I don't know if you've seen the same, Tim, when you go in and, and work with, with clients, uh, because often the, the North Star uh, is very clear in the beginning in many businesses when they're founded by the founder, founder CEO driven businesses. And it kept alive in some kind of format because they are around. But as soon as they are not around communicating what the North Star, the, the, the purpose and uh, what passion is and what are we hunting long term, it starts to become down to strategies instead of you're going for your big uh, audacious mission. 
what exactly was the idea. And that's because people don't work with it on a day-to-day basis. And that's the power I've seen with OKRs. It's like, actually, you use the purpose to filter your activities as well. So, of course, you need to be super clear on your why. If you're not very clear on your why in your company, you need to start there before you start with OKRs. I don't know if you would agree on that. No, I absolutely agree. We, we will see at times where an organization has written a mission statement and they determine that as a checkbox. Hey, we accomplished that task, but maybe it's time to revisit it. And when we start an engagement, that's the first thing that we ask is, um, do you like your mission statement? Does it reflect your current mission and has something changed along the way? Um, does it need refinement, clarity, and we believe simplicity. Um, so that is one of the areas that we look at when we when we begin to do a, an OKR journey with an organization. And the same thing with long-term objectives. Um, as I mentioned to you, I did a little bit of research before I started at Truity, and I wish I had kept the study. But this study, which came out of Canada, spoke about In orders of magnitude, how many organizations were successful when they had a clear mission and long-term objectives established for their organization versus companies that did not? And I, I believe that that is as a result of them having a North Star, North Star, excuse me, where they can begin to point all of their strategy. And then from there, you know, establish what's truly important for the organization um, all the way down to what's the most important thing we should be doing this next 13 weeks. Yeah. And I guess in the world we live in, you know, right now, we definitely have a a crisis created by nature and it's very connected to uh, the UN's goals. And you see more and more companies starting to be very progressive about they want to be part of solving these problems, which is great. Uh, so they, they, they tie them into their why. But what, 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 what happens then when they come down to the planning place? Because that's where you come in. I guess you come in, and you can correct me, but I guess you come in when they really can't get the right things done. It doesn't feel like the business are moving forward. And I could imagine we have a growth channel or we have a structure challenge. We have a culture challenge, something like that at start out. But I guess is that what, how do you come in and what is often the, the pain point you discover as you start your initial assessments of the situation? Right. So that's a, that's a great question. Um, one of the big pain points that we'll see, and, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dance a little bit around this, is if we are actually engaged to put in an OKR program, what we see are challenges from managers and department heads. They're not really sure what this is all about. We build a program that we start out with from an educational perspective. We ask everybody to become educated on OKRs. So we ask them, hey, can you read the book, Measure What Matters? There's also another wonderful book called Radical Focus by a woman by the name of Christina Woodkey. Um, I will, I'm going to digress here for one second, Mike, just let everybody know, you know, I have a podcast as well. It's OKRs Q&A podcast and it's OKRS. I just interviewed Christina Woodkey. You'll find it very, you'll find it wonderful as, um, as a reference point about OKRs. She was really, really great on this. But 
Um, getting them educated is a great way to begin to diffuse that, that, oh gosh, this is the management flavor of the month. Um, I'm a big advocate of having the C-suite buy-in. That's the next area. If, if you don't have C-suite buy-in, it's kind of tough to get these programs to really stick. Um, but I think once you get past those two elements, the biggest challenge businesses have is being able to put a structure in place that can repeat itself every quarter. So um, I, we, we help build that for organizations. We also help facilitate the OKR session with executives and down to, to management. Why is this important? Well, we believe that it allows the individuals that are creating the OKRs for not only the organization, maybe for their department being done collaboratively, gives them the ability to think freely. We ask the right questions. We prompt them to be able to put this in a measurable format. What, what I find is there are many, many times when folks can tell me what the concept is. We know this is kind of what we want to get done. And but they can't make it, they struggle with making it measurable. So what we do is we work with organizations to help them draw out how you would take that concept and turn it into an actual measurable event where you know at the end of the quarter whether you got it done or not or how close you came to it. So building that structure is where people run into problems. Once you have that structure designed and it's set in stone, and you've identified the right champion to run this program. And I will I'll, I'll stop here and say, there are times when companies will choose somebody to run the program that um, may not be qualified. Um, we see that quite often where the person that's the least busy uh, gets the job and they may not be the most qualified to do this. So we actually have as part of our education, um, a kind of a, kind of a background check of sorts to make sure that you've chosen the right person to run your program. Do they have project management experience? Are they upbeat? Are they organized? Can they evangelize the OKRs? Are they willing to learn? So those are things that they need to have in order to do that. So those tripwires are what get people going. And then the other piece that we find is, and I'll, I'll put it in a statement here, that don't let perfect get in the way of good. You're not going to be great at this when you get started. It's just not going to happen. But by don't give up on it, stay with it. Um, everybody we start out with feels a little rough when they get started. How do we actually hold a meeting to talk about OKRs? Gosh, it's just another meeting on my schedule. Well, what we find with almost all of our organizations is the OKR meeting will absolutely cut down on the amount of overall meetings that organizations have because the OKR meeting is on focused on what's most important, are we measuring what matters, and how are we doing against those metrics on a quarterly basis. So I think, Mike, those would be some good areas where we, we see companies struggle as they get started. And I, I will recommend and... Um, and I'm sorry because I am a consultant on this, but I do recommend that when you get started, have a professional help you get this started. 
you know, we offer three programs. Uh, we can run a program for an organization if they just feel like they'd like to have it outsourced. The second way that we help a, uh, an organization is we start running it for the first quarter or two. And then they find the right person and we'll mentor them over the next quarter or two so they get the hang of it. And then the third area is, Tim, we have somebody identified. We'd just like to have you work with them as we get started in the OKR program. So um, we kind of address that in three different ways. And again, that's what's critically important is get this right over the first few quarters, because that foundation, Mike, is where all the success will then come from. And it's an ongoing, ever improving. Um, and I use the word journey because it really is a journey. Um, it's a goal setting management system that you just get better at as you continue to go. Uh, it's interesting as I was listening to it, I, I wrote down this because I guess if you don't have the foundations in place, uh, you said the right person, but I'm also thinking uh, maybe I'm wrong here. I think I read that in the book as well. If you have already have a very poor leadership style approach to, to your organization, you're not very bottom up, you're more top down. I like to be in control and you have an unhealthy culture. It doesn't matter how good OKRs is, I guess, because then it's going to not work because that's actually the foundation for uh, really uh, escalating the OKRs process. When you look at companies that are successful, they're very good at this leadership culture thing before they start with this. That's the, the foundations in place and OKRs is elevating that. Right. Great. That's, that's a, that's, first off, it's a great comment. Um, OKRs need to be done in a collaborative environment. Um, you hire really good people. Let them think for themselves. Let their teams think for themselves. So what the beauty of OKRs allows you to do is align your organization all the way from the top down and from the bottom up. But there's no reason that um, it can't be a little bit from the bottom up to the top down. So um, building that trust, um, I think, is critical for your organization is that we've hired good people. Let's allow them. Let's set the table and keep it simple. This is, these are the things we want to get done. Allow them to be able to determine how to do that. And, you know, Mike, that leads into another piece of this, which is innovation, which you and I have talked about when we first met prior to the podcast. And you know, innovation allows itself to boil and bubble in an OKR environment because um, you can, true innovation takes big steps in a business. Um, many complicated processes have been built up over time, um, especially this year when we've had possibly, especially in the hospitality market, a realignment of how you run your business. There's many people there. So how, are we, how do we improve? Who's doing what now? And, and how do we get organized here in, in, this, uh, in this pandemic? But what... OKRs will do is break down that innovative approach into smaller chunks. You know, the old, the old uh, adage of how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. And so the agile nature allows you to be able to choose what it is we're going to do this quarter in that innovative track and then be able to find out how are we doing? Did we make the right assumptions? Um, are, we, are, we, are, we, uh, are, are we gaining on the overall process? And so, um, and it allows for that laser and focus element to be somewhere in your organization because they're wanting to improve because they're trying to meet not only their boss's opportunities, 
but maybe it's the management team trying to reach to the organization as a whole. So collaboration is a really, really big deal. And I, I do encourage leaders to, um, and this is an area where sometimes it's a little challenging. They feel that, um, that uh, authoritatively that, um, you know, they should be the ones telling everybody what to do. There is an element in OKRs that gives that check and balance, Mike, which is really, really good, is we don't allow anyone to be able to say, this is what our objectives and key results are for the quarter, unless someone has actually approved them. That's from somebody above. So it's not a blindsided event. Um, If there's something that they would ask them, hey, these are great. I would like you to have one other piece to that. That also that collaboration and knowing that the person you're either reporting to knows that they've agreed to what it is that you wanted to accomplish. And then um, that type of collaboration leads to a better overall um, healthy culture, to be truthful. It was interesting, you said, especially in hospitality, which has been around the globe, uh, you know, decimated uh, as, as, as a business model. And uh, yeah, nobody really can predict yet how they will come back. Well, one of the predictions I have and already have conversations with uh, some of the people has been, you know, lo- has to had the right thing in place, been lucky to divert to delivery or whatever they do. Um, they are talking about a different way of working because traditionally hospitality was a very pyramid top down uh, and that was what it worked because there's so many small things you needed to be in control of to deliver the customer and employee experience there's so many things we don't want to slip between but i think now because of the situation financially and where we are and, and the type of you know organization that's maybe been really good at adapting they'd have you know lack of better word a more agile way of approaching how they work the power of the top have shifted out to the front line. And that's where it should be lying because that's where the best decisions are made. That was already proven in, in, a, in, a, in a book uh, written by James L. Heskitz and his friends at Howard about the service profit chain. But now there's actually more than ever need for tools like OKRs to actually help to get it out to that store manager, general manager, director, GM, whatever he's called in the organization, because you probably will not be able, you're probably forced not to afford the same amount of head office people you had before. So somehow you need to shift that knowledge out there. And OKRs is, in my view, a great way of doing it. And and we worked with this in one of the businesses I'm involved in, pre-pandemic was the catering business, and we could see that was actually suddenly operational problems were solved, not put in front of the senior team. Because actually when the senior team has to deal with a, uh, what a great example, a toilet that's blocked, you know there's something wrong because that should actually just be solved out there. And that's because they haven't written a rule about it. It's very simple. There don't need to be a rule. You just fix that. And people are normally able to fix that in their own homes. Something can't do it at work. It's because the way you organized yourself and there's a trust thing. And OKRs can actually help building that trust you talked about before. That's my experience, my humble experience with working with OKRs. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And and this is a year of transition. Um, we are going to get our, 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 our arms around this COVID. I know it's a little bit a little bit different in Europe as it is in the States, but this is a year of transition. There was a study out that um, that I just pulled down the other day that talked about, you know, what are what's on the CEO's mind this year? And they're they're concerned about, you know, what's going to take place 
after this COVID. Look at the things that we've done. You know, remote workforces. Okay, how do you manage a remote workforce? CEOs are frightened on some level about this because they don't. They like that element of control. The second thing that they're also concerned about is employee productivity. That's a big deal. So how are they or what are they doing in order to make um, things more productive um, and have each person be more productive? And then the last one kind of ties those two together, which is helping the CEOs. Their big challenges here is going to be helping their remote teams work well together. This is where I think the OKRs can really help an organization. I want to give you just a brief uh, walk away from here. Um, I'm involved in about a $200 million organization where they began to put OKRs in, of all things, in January of last year. They took it down to their next level of management at the end of March, right at the beginning of April. Well, if your history, okay, if you know your history, that was right in the middle of this entire explosion of uh, COVID lockdown. Now, they they stumbled for a week or two in trying to get themselves figured out how to close down offices and everybody out there. But we went ahead and did their OKR plan down to their next level of management. And they had about 45 managers that were now involved in, involved in this OKR program. Their industry this year was off about 9 to 10% overall. This organization was up 28% for the year. They didn't miss a beat. They were organized. They knew exactly what they had to do. They could see it all the way to the mission statement, all the way down to the, to the, to the lowest manager that they had, not only what they were doing, why they were doing it, and what difference they were making in the organization. So as COVID was rearing its head, and people were getting confused, these people were getting themselves organized and, and flourishing during this really, really, really difficult time for their industry. So um, I, I would tell the CEOs, the big challenge I think they're facing this year is helping their remote teams work well together. And I think OKRs provides that visibility for them to be able to see, hey, how are they doing? Okay, number one. Number two, Objectives and key results allows you not only to align vertically, okay, we traditionally think of an organizational chart as vertical, but the superpower of OKRs is about how everybody aligns horizontally within, within the market or within the organization. So suddenly you don't have people clawing all over each other or going across purposes. Wouldn't it be great for an organization to all be pushing the rock up the same way and not having conflicting events? teams working uh, rogue or not being able to work in accordance to what truly the overall organization wants to be at the end of the year. And through that visibility aspect and using the, an OKR program, you're going to have that organizational structure um, as we continue to work through this transition for 2021. I had a similar conversation uh, the other day and I saw another report as well that actually confirms what you're saying, that a lot of people think the CEO are concerned about cash flow no they got that under control last year if they didn't get that under control last year they will not be here or very very close to go out of business that's what i've been told but they said actually that the talent bit 
it, it went from talent strategy and also to you, how do you actually work with your workforce now? How do you actually communicate with them when you bring them back? How do you bring them back? Because for many that has been closed down, like hospitality, hotels, restaurants, they've actually not been maybe meeting up. So it's like onboarding them again. And learn. this is the great opportunity to learn people to do something new when you reset. So if there's any positive of that, it's that you can actually start working a different way. And some people, as I said, you can't bring them back. The managers that was running around checking that your restaurants were doing what they needed to do, they may be not going to be there. So actually now you need to equip these managers with OKRs or something else, actually thinking about working in a different way. So I think actually the it's now the opportunity is really to reset your culture, as you said. It's like almost like a culture program of how you're going to work differently. Couldn't agree with you more. And I, I, I just to add to that, that um, I'm not saying it's, it's prevalent in the hospitality business, but if you think about it for a second, imagine the businesses that are now operating because they're in a virtual environment and they haven't even met their employees face-to-face. Think about that. So that whole cultural issue on how you get these new teams to work together and everybody's had, especially in the hospitality industry, the changing of their roles and responsibilities. And so we've had to consolidate how businesses are being run. And then we're doing that remotely. So how do we bring everybody together? Um, Talent is always going to be there. You always need great, I mean, everybody knows you need great talent to succeed. But this year, I think ever more so, the OKRs will play an important role in getting everybody to that, uh, you know, to that working working well together. Yeah, and also, I guess uh, it gives the individual employee uh, more responsibility and actually accountability because actually they can now start managing themselves with success and see how they win the game. Because I think that's the most important job as a leader is to let your people have absolutely clarity about what needs to happen give them the understanding of what, how they connect with that and actually then give them the feedback. But they can almost give themselves that feedback. Then the only thing you're saying, great job. You are, we're almost there. You're 50% of the way. Right. And you mentioned something earlier about empowering. And you, dove, you dovetailed it off my word of trust. And empowering your people and having trust in them um, reminds me of this uh, I'll call it a very easy way of understanding management, which is you give somebody the responsibility, you give them the authority to do their job, and then you hold them accountable. So couldn't agree with you more. Empowering people to do things and um, giving them that element of trust to do the things that they know they need to do. You've made a good hire. You've hired the right person. So give them the freedom and flexibility to be able to work collaboratively with you to determine what's best for the organization because they now can see all the way to the top to the mission where before they might not be able to. If people want to go somewhere because uh, it's difficult on the podcast really to break down an example of a great OKRs, but what where's the best examples people can go and find so they get, because I think what I really, when I started reading the book, you can read the book uh, from John Dora, what, what matters or measure what matters uh, and there's some great examples in there but where else can people if they want to go uh, and find great examples about how does this actually work and how does it actually look when it comes out on paper great question you know um, I recommend there are I recommend if you can find John Doerr D-O-E-R-R 
and listen to a couple of his um, uh, YouTubes on objectives and key results. When we educate people, we ask that if they, and, and we have them, and I'll just say this, at atruity1.com, we have an excellent resource page that um, has his and another person from Google discussing OKRs. So um, we think that's a great start. And, and I want to clarify something here, too, because there were, again, scads of books written, hey, this is what this is an OKR for finance. OK, well, if you think about that, um, yes, I'll give you that, that there might be some thought around um, what's an example for finance, so to speak. But what's important is that everyone asks themselves the question. And the question is, what's the most important thing that we need to get done over the next 13 weeks as it relates to either the organization's quarterly objective or someone that sits above me, their quarterly objective? What do we got to do? And everybody's different. So it may be that, look, we're, we're two men down or we're, we're two people short or, you know, we're going to have to make some cutbacks or, you know, we've got to negotiate an audit or, you know, we've got, uh, you know, we've got receivables issues, but everyone's a little bit different. So I would encourage them to really begin to just ask that simple question. What's the most important thing that we need to get done over the next 13 weeks? and then you might ask yourself, and what are our big challenges that we need to have accomplished over this given 13-week period? And maybe it's longer than 13 weeks, but what do we need to do as it relates to that challenge over the next 13 weeks? I think it's important for people to recognize that it is somewhat individualistic, and it's what's most important to your organization. And then, you know, the key result is the how, okay? And, you know, if you talk about stretching and reaching for the, the moon, um, taking moonshots. Well, yes, there are two kinds of key results, just to clarify this. One is actually something that's a stretch goal, okay, or stretch key result, where we're really trying to do something that is a little, little bit uh, more than we think we could bite off. Um, and, um, and then there is an absolute key result, which is we're going to literally get this done over the next 13 weeks going to be entirely focused on it. Um, we have a saying in our class that we teach that, um, you know, an objective should be aspirational. It should inspire you. Wake up every morning knowing this is what we're going to get done here over the next 13 weeks, next year, but it's inspiring. It should be, it, it, it inspires you. Key results, a little different. They should scare you a little bit, but excite you a lot. So we ask people to really ask themselves that question of what could we get done? I mean, if we really put our heads down and really, really went at this, what could we accomplish over the next 13 weeks? And, and then how would we do it? There's an element here that I want to make sure people understand because key results and activities are entirely different. Okay. You cannot manage yourself or anybody else on a result. You can manage their activities. So making sure that you know what it is and how you want to get it accomplished, and then begin to look at those activities that you're doing on a weekly basis to stay extremely focused to be able to accomplish those key results. 
Um, we, as an organization, obviously we do objectives and key results. We use a management for Square, um, which is a very simple tool. Um, Christina Woodkey actually uh, has it in her book, but it's a, it's a, uh, we use a, a PowerPoint slide and divide it into four sections. We put our objectives and key results in the top right. We put our priorities top left. Then the bottom two sectors, we have one that we call keep an eye on, which are things that we're working on, but they're not immediate. They may be three to four, five weeks out that we're working on. And then we also have this thing called keep an eye on. And keep an eye on is nothing more than allowing someone in your organization to know that you're keeping an eye on something. It could be morale. Um, it could be an acquisition. Um, it could be a competitor. It could be anything. Um, something else you're keeping an eye on. And so to, to let your audience know that you, you manage those activities, those are the things that are going to drive your key results. If a key result isn't performing, then obviously you want a priority for that next period of time to, to say, what are we going to do here to try to write that key result? And that, that's super interesting, Tim, because one of my uh, big things have always been since I read uh, Jim Collins' Good to Great as part of writing my dissertation way back in university. And uh, it's a stop doing list. And often when I get into trouble and I'm actually just been through the process again, and it, it, it reminds me about what you're talking here is actually identify the activities you're doing or have committed to or want to do. And find out which of them should you stop doing because they don't connect with your mission, your why, and it's not really going to give you what matters, results, or what really makes you excited, what you get energy from, what you can get cash flow from from short term. I think everybody is right now focusing on short term more than what's possible in five years time. You will have to have an eye on that, but it's not what's relevant right here and now. And I think it's so powerful and I see so many people they are just busy getting busy so therefore they think they're really making a difference but then when they stop up i've done myself i can remember the nine first nine months of uh, 2020 uh through the pandemic i just stopped up in i can't remember if it was november or december i'm thinking what the hell i'm doing like there's things i'm doing here that doesn't really move the the needle of the why it's just become doing things for the sake of doing them. And now I'm in this process. It's really tough to do a stop doing list because now you're committed. So you have to go back to people and say, I don't want to do that. We stopped that business. We don't work with our client. Um, we're not going to move forward with this offer because it doesn't really connect to what we have become. Because lots of companies, and I think that's why OKRs are really interesting, I in identity crisis. I know some companies, they are flying because they maybe do e-commerce or whatever that has by luck ended in there. But they also need to start focusing now because they can also get so involved in so many things. So what I'm trying to say in the short way is that actually, you know, OKRs and what you added there in the, in the end is also finding out what you should not do because that's the most important thing if you want to be great. Mike, I have to tell you, I, I, well, I, I love it. Every day I want to learn one thing and I learned that today. My, my stop doing list. I love it. Um, and we, when we get started with people, you know, they're like, oh, God, we got to fill this thing out. Oh, man. You know, but I'm like, look, everybody in your organization that might have a PowerPoint slide with you, you can show them what you're doing. Okay. They know you're busy. But more importantly, the most important piece of this is, and we all do this. No, no one's irrelevant. No one, no one doesn't do this. 
we get so busy in our day-to-day activities that we wake up Thursday afternoon and, wow, where are we? What happened this week? And if it's not written down what you wanted to accomplish, you can always go back to your priorities. What's most important that we were supposed to get done this week? So by having that front and center in front of you, you stay more focused. And that is the true element of objectives and key results. Focus, alignment, execution. So I, I love the stop doing list because it's, it, it is absolutely true. And you find yourself burdened with activities, but you wake up and go, where's the productivity? And that's really ultimately what everyone wants is productivity. We don't need any more activity. We've got plenty of it. <laughs> yeah, and, and that for me, because I've been trying doing a lot of things around productivity and just to to, to ducktail the uh, the OKR system of trying to become more focused uh, because uh, I get excited about new things. That's my big thing uh, as a personality profile uh, entrepreneur. I want to you know be involved in a lot of things, which I don't have the time for. But actually what it does, the OKR system and your stop doing is enables you to be able to say no in the right way as well, because you can explain, I have to say no to this because I've committed to, here's my priorities. You can even say that to suppliers, customers. This is not what we do, but I know somebody that can do that for you if you want me to do it. But I really want you to do it. That's not what I do, because what you can see here, this is my commitment. This is my why. So what I will, I will find the best one to do that for you so again it's that ability to say no in a powerful way and i think that's actually something we really have to be aware of uh, as we're trying to rebuild businesses uh going forward doesn't mean you don't want to be involved over time but sometimes you just can't do it in that moment of other commitments in your life right well said well said um i think that uh i think you know as i mentioned objectives and key results is about focusing um, your entire organization and pushing that rock, everyone pushing the rock up in the same direction. Much easier to do that than it is to have people pushing it left and right when you're trying to push that rock up the hill. And um, and so I agree with you. Very well said, Mike. So uh, for people out there, because it sounds like you have to focus, you know what to do, uh, you use the system, you implement it. But what, what is uh, your biggest failure? Well, and what do you learn from it? Because you're an entrepreneur of heart as well. And that's always, you know, that's where your learnings are. They are in your failures, not so much in your successes, we say. Well, I, I will I'll walk you through a couple fun failures. Uh, I'm a big believer in failing fast. <laughs> so if you see something going off the rails, let's uh, let's try to change it quickly. When I first started doing objectives and key results, I had this great idea. Mike, I want I thought well, I'll build software and I could, I, I could, I could do OKRs and I have this OKR software. Well, as great an idea as it sounds, I looked into the marketplace and realized that there was over $150 million of venture money already put into software. And I didn't have that kind of money and I wasn't going to go down that path. And I realized very quickly after I'd spent a fair amount of money that Look, that's not the right way to go. And in fact, it was born out of a conversation um, with a gentleman who's my mentor, uh, Life Ulstrup. Um, actually, his podcast is my first podcast. Uh, Life is a mentor of mine. And he, he and I were discussing this. 
And he said, Tim, your niche is you know how to do this. A lot of people don't know how to put this in. And then I had another conversation with a gentleman from uh, BetterWorks, uh, which is a very large OKR software organization. And we had a really pleasant conversation. And he had a concern that he that they knew that there were there were times when people would renew on their software. And intrinsically, um, I told him, I said, it's probably because they're not sure how to do this. And as a result, they leave. It fails. So that failure of the software got me to pivot and start doing consulting full time because I realized, gosh, if they're seeing it, then there's got to be more folks out there that need this kind of help. Um, and, uh, you know, we and I will tell you other failures. I get sidetracked at times. It's it's not a perfect world. Scaling a consulting business is very challenging. Um, but um, I would tell you that was probably one of my big failures um, in, uh, in in starting a tool. And um, and yet it's turned out to be a benefit. And, you know, I, I just give a little advice. I mean, don't let as an entrepreneur, I don't let anything get me down. You know, I'd rather fail fast than uh, than, uh, you know, than uh, than be dragged down slowly but surely. Um, we have modified our offerings a little bit, which was another kind. I don't want to say it was a failure, but it's one of those progressions. How do you describe what it is that you do? Um, and when we originally started, you know, I just wanted to run people's OKR programs. And I didn't understand, like, why? What do you mean you want to have somebody mentored? And finally, through losing business, I realized, hey, I could be doing the mentoring. So that's how we ended up moving into a training and training champions and um, and modifying our way that we do business. And we had another, and I don't want to call them failures. They're almost like epiphanies of sorts. You know, that epiphany that happens when you go like, wow, we're doing this wrong, right? We should be doing this. And so you can call it a failure, um, but those epiphanies or failures are where you can pivot your business. And, you know, and then what we'll do is we'll look at, you know, we look at our OKRs. Hey, did we miss it? Did, did, did we just do it wrong? Did we have the wrong measurement tool? Look, as I said, don't let perfect get in the way of good. Um, there's refinement on metrics consistently. What really drives your business? And as your business matures, changes, or, um, realizes that it's going to change. Um, you know, I use COVID as a, as a, just a simple example. And I don't call it failure. It's almost like one of these things that you adapt to, which is um, who I, I had one client that used video conferencing, one client before COVID. It's now standard operating procedure, period. Think of that, think of that technology. So we adapted, you know, the old, oh gosh, we can do it this way. Um, we've had to search out business in a different way. Um, you know, I, I'm a big relationship individual. I believe that um, if you're going to do business with me, you should get to know me. And hopefully through the podcast today, folks did get to know me. Fun-loving person. Um, I try to make OKRs fun. But, um, you know, you need to be able to trust somebody in order to do business with them. And um, so I think that's the way I would answer the failure question is that my big failure when I started at Trudy was I thought I was going to be an OKR software company. <laughs> And uh, I realized early on, gosh, that's really not going to happen. And, but through that trial and error, 
um, I, I realized what we were really good at, which was, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, it's how to do this. And that's really where we are today. What what on your your amazing journey as an entrepreneur? How, how do you how you found the way to show up strong every day and pro? Because that's that's what it takes. It's an energy business to be an entrepreneur. You know, there's either people that has to be led or the supplier that has to be to have trust in you or investors for that sake. They 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 invest in you because you are that person with that energy and drive when it comes to. But how how do you do that? And especially in these times. Wow, that's a great question. You know, and 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 really, you, you hear about hitting the COVID wall. You know, there are days when you know you, you feel like, wow, this is really much more difficult. I'm a people person, so for me, not to be able out shaking hands, grabbing a sandwich or a cup of coffee with somebody, it makes it it makes it exceedingly difficult. Um, but I've been asked this question before about you know the energy of of an entrepreneur, and I guess the best way to explain it is that there's this burning desire that you have that you got you want to prove something and you you know that when you're doing this that there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs um and there's this element of risk but in the risk is where all the joy of life comes from I I've been an entrepreneur um, been self-employed since 1993, um, and I was actually my first company that I started. Michael was a mortgage company to do home loans. I was a mortgage banker. I don't know what they call it in Europe. I forget how the terminology changes, but I owned a mortgage company. Then I had my computer kid, who was so convinced that this thing called the internet was going to change the world, that I helped him in starting his business. And the next thing I know, I became his business partner. And that's the business I told you that we grew and sold. Um, and so um, that endless energy comes from your willingness to want to prove something. And, you know, and sometimes not even knowing where the journey is going to take you, because it is a wild journey. But think about it. You really only go around once in life, and I'm a firm believer that um, you never know what your best is until it's really put on the line. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good golfer, and um, there's an old saying in golf that there's golf and then there's tournament golf, and they're completely different. And I look at that in, in, in business and say, hey, you can work for a company, and then they're self-employed. And when you're self-employed, if you don't get up and don't want to work. Nobody cares. You have to care. And as your company grows, you then realize that you have a responsibility to all those people to be the best you can be. And, I, and I'll just close with that, that, that it's about being the best you can be. And I think that's why I love the OKRs, too, because it's like, how good can you be? Well, nobody knows. Just get in there and get in there and get at it. So that energy, I think what you hear from me is energy and passion. Uh, I'm very passionate about the OKRs. I loved planning. And, you know, nothing gives me in business. We were successful because we planned. And what I originally wanted to do was a give back. You know, how cool would it be to watch somebody else grow and sell their company? It's one of the neatest things I ever did other than, um, you know, being 
saying I do and uh, have the birth of our my children. Those are extremely, you know, events that you never forget. Well, selling your company's right up there. When they reach your hand across the desk and say, well, looks like the paperwork's in order. Money's been deposited in your bank account. Congratulations, you just sold your company. And my hair will stand straight on end just saying that again. So that joy of accomplishing something, I think, is what drives you from an energy perspective. And, you know, um, I, I'm i a big encourager of entrepreneurism. But if um, if you're if you think it's easy, you know, it's not. And I know you know this, Mike, that I had people say, hey, congratulations, you know, wonderful, you know, blah, blah, blah. You did this. You did that. How did you do that? And I said, well, it looks really rosy on this side of the picture. But if you look at my back, it's all the scars from me running, you know, as fast as I could humanly run in a suit to put a check in to the to the bank so that um, I can make payroll. You know, people don't tell you about that. They don't tell you about sleepless nights where you can't figure something out and then you literally, it consumes you. And, um, and so I think that's where passion lies. And, you know, I, I encourage people to be very passionate about what they do because that's what I look for in people. If you have passion, I can teach you anything, but if you don't have passion about it, uh, you're not a passionate person, then, um, you should work for, uh, somebody else. It's super, super interesting, uh, Tim. Well, what uh, in, in the end of the conversation, we uh, and then maybe it's a bit connected to some of the things you just said. We always ask the guest, what are your top three advice for um, leaders out there right now that's running their businesses? Um, and uh, and we have to take the COVID factor in here. But, uh, but, but what, what do you think they should do, reflect about? Um, and, and and how should they move forward as, as the world stands right now? Well, I think first, understand all things are temporary, okay? Things change, all right? Um, you as an organization, it's, it's an organism of sorts. So be ready for change again. You know, change is inevitable. Um, we talked earlier about, I think it's important this year that organizations begin to understand that they're going to go through a large transition that they're trying to get their arms around. Um, and I think getting those remote teams, because remote work is just here to stay. Um, and so getting those remote teams to work together, um, you know, the, the businesses that have survived and thrived, you know, this is a big planning year because take advantage of what you've learned. I mean, this was, I'm a big believer that, you know, win, lose, or draw, you learn something every time. So to me, I, I would leave that with, to the CEOs that learn something. You know, this too, um, this was a great learning experience, both good and bad. But don't be afraid to be critical about what it was that you learned or the mistakes that you made because, you know, Mike, they're just mistakes. They, they pass and they go on. And, uh, and then the last piece is stay positive and have fun. You know, I mean, I really, truly believe that, that if we all can put a smile on our face at the end of the day, then, um, like I said, this too shall pass. So um, that's my little bit of advice to uh, to CEOs heading into 2021. I think the last thing was very beautiful, Seth, because that always is a win. That's always something you succeed with in some degrees. If you just know that you're working on the right thing and you're succeeding in some degree, 
within that. Uh, and I had, uh, I think it was Monday. We have Wednesday today. And Monday was really a tough day. And there was not much, there was only a little win. And that win was I went for a run in nature. And that was it that day. And then yesterday, it was absolutely out of the out of the charts what happened, you know. And that again, and then today it's been 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 a quiet day. And now we have this uh, amazing conversation again. So that's probably one of the wins of the day. So again, sometimes just taking it down to you know, it doesn't have to be a sale. It can be the small things in life that really you know and learn. You know, learn. This is the year of learning. I totally agree with you as well. Uh, something I've done myself and many others I talk with is actually they're trying to get some education on some of the things they don't understand. Uh, uh, Google CEO or uh, whatever it is that they need to learn. There's some 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 knowledge gap they didn't have before the pandemic. This is the time in the year of transition. When the transition is over, you need to know these things because else you you're lost. So so yeah, that's really good 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 advice, uh, uh, Tim. Where, where does uh, do people find you and uh, your company if they want to know more? Because there's a lot of great resources, as you said, on your your website. I've already been there. So it's a truityone.com. And uh, you can easily fill out a contact form. And, uh, you know, we'd love to be able to get in touch with you um, and, uh, and then start your OKR journey. So that's kind of the best way I ask people to do that. You can also reach me at Tim, T-I-M, at Atruity1, and it's A-T-R-U-I-T-Y, the number one, dot com. And I will also mention that, um, you know, we do have a podcast as well. And Michael, thank you so much for having me on your program. This was really, really great today. And it was a win for me. Um, and uh, but if people want to know a little bit more about OKRs and what people felt, um, I've got um, just a whole plethora of uh, testimonials on our OKRs podcast, OKRs Q&A podcast. And I would encourage people to check it out. Because um, we have authors on there, um, we've had software vendors on there, um, transformational experts, um, and uh, and a host, whole host of testimonials about people's journeys as they go through this OKR process. Yeah, it's a great place to get started if you were thinking after this conversation. I, I want to know a bit more about this before I dive in. So it's a great way of consuming that on your run or your walk as you are going through the, the last bits of, hopefully, the last bits of uh, world world lockdowns around the world. I Mike, I hope for everyone's sake here that, that we get through this quickly, um, as quick as possible, and return to some semblance of normality. It won't, I don't want to say, it's. I love to say, people say a new normal, it's just going to be new. You know, we're off to the new adventure in the world. And, um, but I hope everybody stays healthy and, and, and stay healthy and happy. Because, you know, like I said, this too shall change. That was a great way to finish a great conversation, Tim. Thank you again for being on the show. Uh, power, energy and love to you and your loved ones and your, your teams and to, to get through this as well. And uh, we will be in touch, I'm sure. Absolutely. Michael, thank you so much for having me today. This was truly memorable. And I thank you. Thank you so much, Tim, for giving us this great overview on how the OKRs mythology works and how to get started with it. 
And if you want to get more insight on how to rethink the way your team works with plans and strategies, please also tune in to episode number 16, Join the Dots with Martin Johnson, who is the founder of Your Big Pick. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate or review it or subscribe to one of our channels. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. You can check out BizSimply on bizsimply.com, their social channels at bizsimply, bizsimplyhq, or you can just email them directly at advice at bizsimply.com. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to our community and download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com. And don't worry, if you didn't get all of this, there will be links in the show notes. Thanks for listening and be maverick.